Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello everybody. The season is almost here. As we get ready for the season, me and Matt decided to break down everything about the Toronto Raptors. We first started off by going over the Raptors preseason, what we learned, a couple of different things, watching Nick Nurse coach as opposed to Dwayne Casey. Obviously, there's going to be a couple things you learn whenever you have a new head coach. After that, we kind of look forward to the Raptors' first set of games. Obviously, the first game starts with the Cleveland Cavaliers, that's an important game, but even more important than that is the Raptors' first showdown with the Boston Celtics. The Celtics and Raptors probably are going to be battling for the first seed throughout the season, and these games really count as double when you're playing the Raptors' biggest opponent for that number one overall seed. This pod, I think, is probably our best intro to the season as a whole, so I hope you guys enjoy. Mike, it is the week. It is the actual week. We are here. We have podcasted all summer predicting and and thinking and and guessing. But now we can actually see results and actual NBA regular season basketball this week. It is so exciting. It is the best week. One of the best weeks of the year, especially, you know, here in Canada, it's getting cold quick, really quick, actually. Um five degrees celsius this morning uh when we're recording this on sunday and um that's like that's like uh i think that's like 35 or it's something like, yeah so for a general uh kind of way to look at it is you times it by two and then add 30 so it would be 40 oh, here. 
Okay, 40. Okay. Oh, see, I, I actually didn't even know that that was the actual conversion. But um, it, It's not. It's a little more involved than that, but, like, you'll get within six, seven degrees if you do that. So. Oh, oh, okay. See, I didn't see, I didn't even know that. So, so yeah, so the leaves are falling quick, but that's okay because then that means I can stay inside instead of being outside and watch basketball instead of, you know, not having basketball to watch. And, uh, you know, my interest in the Blue Jays felt quite quickly this year. So, um, <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, to have, uh, and, and, you know, our Maple Leafs are just killing it here. Um, they're five and one. They won last night again against the Washington Capitals. And, uh, Austin Matthews is on track to score like 147 goals this season. So, uh, we got lots, we got lots of exciting stuff going on. And, uh, with the, you know, arguably one of the top five players in the NBA playing for us now, I mean, there's nothing to not be excited about. Right. And certainly at least the top five team, I think even, the biggest skeptics would say that the Raptors are, you know, somewhere between the two to five range on the list of NBA teams. Mm-hmm. I guess as we kind of get started here, what Matt, what was your biggest takeaway from the preseason? You know, I think the preseason was was really interesting for the Raptors because we saw so many different things and so many things that you know we've been complaining about or wanting to see with Dwayne Casey teams and. Uh, you know, to see the to, to to at first to see it in those early preseason games was kind of was kind of a shock in many ways because because like I'm seeing small ball teams switching everything right like switching defenses and and, and I mean I think the I think the best stretches of this preseason were actually on defense I think the uh, I think the Raptors you know they're running pretty similar um, I, I was actually surprised at how similar their, their their offensive looks and schemes have been so far this season um, but. Uh, you know, when you have someone like Kawhi, who's, you know, better at creating for himself, even when rusty than someone like Damar, the results are, you're seeing the results again as, of that as well. But I think uh, the, the first thing that really did stand out to me, and maybe we can go like point by point, was really the defense and just how how much better, how much more fluid it looks against um you know, teams, you, you know, the, and granted, we haven't played any of the elite teams, but how it can work against those elite teams and how we can much better keep our man in front of us because every single iteration of the Dwayne Casey team, I think one of the biggest issues has been dribble penetration into the paint and how easily, how easily it seemed that people were able to, or the, the, the opposing team was able to get into the paint off of dribble penetration. So to see a lot better switching, I also, I, I also, for me, anyway, I thought that the um, pick and roll defense looked a lot better, and um, and I mean, I think it's also clear that the defense, in a way, is going to dictate the offensive lineups and the offensive sets. As we never really saw Ibaka and Valanciunas together, and I think that's the right way to go. I think a lot of people will still debate whether Val- Valanciunas and uh, Ibaka who should be who should be the starter, but I think we also need to get out of this mentality that. You know, the starting lineup is the starting lineup, and that's it, right? Like, obviously Kawhi's going to start. Obviously Kyle Lowry's going to start. But, I mean, everybody else, could it could be position-based, right? And I would love it if we were playing somebody like uh, uh, the uh, Washington Wizards, let's say, who they, who they are playing this week. And let's say they wanted to start um, uh, JV that game because Dwight Howard's starting. Whereas, uh, you know, the previous night on Friday night when they play when they played the Boston Celtics and Al Horford's out there, you start Ibaka to have a more matchup base. I think uh, I think that's a big like defensive takeaway as well, and, and and hopefully we'll have more fruitful results as well. 
couple things I want to touch on that you talked about. One was the defense. I think that's a good point. For what it's worth, the Raptors finished fourth in defensive rating over the preseason. Obviously, that doesn't mean much. One of the teams they finished behind was the New Zealand Breakers. So (laughs) that shows you how flawed these numbers can be. Yeah. With that being said, I do think the pick-and-roll defense looks better. It's clear that the Raptors are willing to send more help. Coach Casey was pretty stubborn at times, wanting to defend that pick-and-roll action with two people. I just don't think that's realistic in today's game. I think you need to. If you're going to at least defend with two people, it's going to have to be a switching style. Players are too good kind of shooting off the bounce and too good shooting out of the pick and roll in order to defend that with two people. So you can't go underneath it. Usually you have to trail the guy. As a result, you have to send some other defenders there. I think that this team is more willing to help in the pick and roll coverage, and I think that's been huge so far, especially if you look at just kind of the way that everybody flies around on defense. It looks like more people are willing the defense isn't so stuck in its ways, and I think that's a really good thing. The second thing you talked about is the starters. I think that has been my biggest takeaway from this preseason is that JB, like, I think I would be absolutely shocked if JB started every single game he was healthy this season. I think that most people kind of knew that Abaka and JB wouldn't be starting together anymore, at least some have suspected that. This has obviously been proved. They've played absolutely none together so far this preseason, so they haven't played minutes at all. It's clear Serge Ibaka is a center, and it's clear that JB might not be starting every contest, and I'm happy with that. I think you're right in the fact that it's going to be a matchup-by-matchup basis. Nick Nurse talked. He said that the team will have six starters this season, and you know some of that's coach speak, but I think it really points to the fact that we are going to play it matchup-by-matchup, and like you said, I think – You'll see it really early in the season. You'll see JV starting versus uh, the Boston Celtics and maybe against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you'll see Ibaka starting against the – I'm sorry. You'll see JV starting against Washington <laughs> Wizards and maybe against the Cleveland Cavaliers, and you'll see Ibaka starting against Boston Celtics. Yeah, yeah, and I think that – you know, I just think that that makes sense. I, I feel like it's just like it's like an old mentality of, like, you have your starters and you have your bench, right? Like – a team is a team, and and I love that philosophy that Nick Nurse is really bringing into it. Is that you know sometimes sometimes for you to be your most useful is in matchup situations, right? And for someone like JV, I think JV would. It, it's pretty clear that JV would rather be impactful than just set the screen and be waved off of passes by DeRozan all the time. You know, so if he can come off the bench, he can he, he, he has a more traditional matchup against him where he can bruise with a bigger guy and then is more and then has more energy, let's say, to use on the offensive end, I think is I think is nothing but helpful for this team because JV has clearly proven to be a very effective offensive player. He is by no means a ineffective offensive player uh, in today's NBA. So I think that uh, I think that you're completely right in that, you know, six starters. Um, I mean, Danny Green has really impressed as a starter as well. Um, it's a, a, I think uh, I think the one who has to do the most catch up for unfortunate reasons, of course, is uh, is OG and an OB, and uh, and that's okay. But he's young, and uh, and uh, I think he doesn't he doesn't necessarily have to do too much off the hop. Um, and you know, you never really lose how to play defense, so I think he'll so I think he'll be okay. And then his offensive role can grow and change over time uh, as uh, uh, as he catches up with the other players who who played all the preseason games. Um, I think other things that 
you know, were really interesting over the preseason as well, where, uh, you know, to all the haters, of course, Kawhi Leonard's playing. I mean, he played in, what, three of the five preseason games, I believe? Yes. Or, sorry, three, three, yeah, of, the three six. of the five. Yeah, three of the five. So, I mean, I mean, I mean, he's here, he's playing, and, you know, he's looking, he's looking really good. It's clear, it's clear that he's, he's feeling everybody out. He's, he, he's feeling out the different situations. But, of course, it was, it actually was interesting as the preseason went on, especially in that last game, he was really seemed to be much more in the flow of the offense, finding open shooters, which was really helpful. I, he had like five, he had like three or four assists to Danny Green for open threes. And it's like, that's, that's amazing, right? And uh, I think I think that really just helps Kawhi be a much more uh, you know be even more dynamic and uh, more uh, and and you know keep the defense guessing even more so that when he does choose his opportunities to just attack, he might not receive that second defender or that second help man. And then when he's in a one-on-one situation, I mean we're going to take Kawhi Leonard pretty much all the time, right? To to, to at least get a good shot off. And uh, and uh, you know he's been really 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 good and it's it is clear that even just watching in these preseason games with a lot of the other guys who are the same is that the raptors were really lacking that that first that true first option last year and uh he is a true first option and uh, it was also really exciting watching Kawhi leonard uh defend uh hard at some points uh in games and uh and uh that 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 just bodes well for the season as well when he actually has to and i think again you know going back to the switching style as well uh and i think we've talked about this before but i think it bears repeating is that with a bunch of with with a bunch of defenders especially someone like og someone who's you know maybe maybe not the same caliber of defender yet but someone who has that potential to be uh can take pressure off of Kawhi on the defensive end in the middle of games when, you know, you're guarding someone like uh, someone like a Gordon Hayward or or one of these, you know, top-notch Eastern Conference players that you would expect Kawhi to defend. You can, you can, you know, put somebody else on him and give Kawhi a quote-unquote rest or break in game, which I think is really important as well to keep him fresh and healthy throughout the year. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, Kawhi. I mean, it's just super exciting to actually see him play and actually see him be on the team and and integrate himself into the team uh, more and more. Uh, a couple things again that I want to touch on. Uh, you said Kawhi has or OG has Kawhi's potential defensively. It seems a bit ambitious to me. I mean, okay, Kawhi's okay. probably the best defender since Scottie Pippen at least. So, okay. uh, but yeah, I he's got the ability to at least be even an all-NBA defense team, which at the minimum is able to give Kawhi a break from the elite players on a night-in, night-out basis. Speaking to Kawhi, you're right. He's been good. He's been rusty early on. You can tell he said that he hasn't played basketball five-on-five since December. You can kind of tell that on the court. His handle looks a little bit loose to me. He looks like a, a hair slow recognizing these double teams. But even rusty as he is, he still looks great. I think he's, yes, he's leading the team in points per game. He was leading the team in assists per game, was top five in rebounds, and was first in steals. So, I mean, even playing rusty, you can see his impact built. I think one of the things I've just noticed is how strong he is, especially when attacking the hoop. He's really able to lower that shoulder and kind of bully people to the rim. 
there's a couple plays that I think old Kawhi probably goes up and dunks that he's been settling for layups. That's okay. I think, it, again, it's early on. I think he's still getting warmed up to the team. But like you said, I think it's clear that Kawhi is just the attention that he draws from defenses, and it just feels different with him out onto the court. I think it's going to be something kind of to watch all season to see if, you know, there's a big difference if he's a top 20 player with that coming back from injury or if he's a top five player. That obviously could, you know, impact the Raptors season pretty significantly. And I think watching him all season, it will be interesting to watch in many ways. Can he be, you know, one of those top players in the NBA or is he just an Eastern Conference all-star? Yeah, um, I, you know, I find I find it just a little interesting that you mentioned the layups because that was something I, I, I noticed as well. I just wonder how much of that is him actually even just feeling out his body and, and, and who knows, maybe even being a little hesitant about, um, you know, getting up there just yet. And hopefully, uh, hopefully just the Raptors medical staff is working with him just to make sure that everything's okay with him and that from that perspective as well. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, no, but I think, I, th- I think we're, we're, we're dead on with Kawhi. He is, he, he it can be that he, he is, he is going to determine the, 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 the direction of the Raptors, whether he likes it or not. Um, and, uh, and that's super exciting to see. I think another person too who who is going to determine that direction, at least in some way, is Lowry, who who hasn't as who hasn't impressed as much. Um, I think it's I, I think it's a little interesting. He seems to be the you know just from play, and I don't know how much of this is really true, but right now it just seems like he's the one who hasn't fully maybe bought in yet. Maybe um, you know he seems a see something seems a little off, and who knows if that's a little bit of rebellious style because of all the changes over the year or something but uh i mean he really didn't look good in that last preseason game he had lots of turnovers and uh lots of those like heads up plays that i think uh that i think casey preferred but um you know you know and, and not that there's anything wrong with pushing the ball up but lowry lowry over his course at least with the raptors has given a lot of dangerous passes for turnovers and uh you know in close games those though those can be difference makers right especially since it forces everybody to scramble so i think uh, i think what i want to see from lowry is getting back to that more controlled style especially if he's going to be the one that you know brings up the ball the majority of the time and gets that offensive set and gets that offense set um he 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 needs to he, he needs to just work his way in a little bit more, work within the system that there is, because I think that that's going to allow him to to actually, you know, be more dominant. I think he, you know, coming off, move, you know, moving within that offense more and finding those corner threes, I think will be great for him. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think working, working the possession a little bit more, um, I'm not necessarily a fan of when Lowry just comes down and jacks it. Uh, for me, for, for me, I don't, you, you know, it goes, it, it goes in at a fairly decent rate, but, I just it, it just seems so short-sighted and seems so personal to him instead of instead of make, be, it being a basketball decision or the best decision for the team. So uh, you know I just want to see a little bit more uh, control from Lowry because right now he just seems a little out of control and uh, and uh, you know it, it, it's hard it's hard to it's hard to not put that back to the whole Demar Dwayne Casey situation, but. I'm hoping that eventually he'll get over that and see the potential that the team really has. Because, I mean, if we do go back to the uh, not not the Pelicans game, what was the game before it? The um, 
Uh, oh, the Brooklyn game. The Brooklyn game. Yeah. Um, yeah, like, like they played better without him, right? Which is, which is, which isn't the best situation to be in. And, and, you know, and, and you know, I just really want to see him more controlled and more team first and less Lowry first than, than it seems right now. And that was the game he got kicked out of. Yeah. A couple of, you know, he was, he was kind of getting upset with the refs the entire game. You can tell that wasn't a one call that upset him really bad. That was more of a building pressure. And I think a lot of it just had to do with his play. He was playing pretty poorly, to be honest. He was turning the ball over quite a bit. He wasn't shooting the ball well. I think that had a lot to do with his, you know, eventual ejection from the game. I'm not as worried. I think, you know, it's preseason. Lowry's the kind of guy to me that the way he plays and his style is more, you know, it's not as effortless for him. So I think that in some ways the preseason's going to be a more difficult judge of his talent. And I haven't looked at his preseason numbers to back that up. But just, you know, basing it off of the way he plays and how hard he plays, I think that maybe that doesn't adjust to the preseason as well. I think... A lot of people are kind of worried about his temper and kind of his demeanor going into the season. I'm a little less skeptical of that. I think that kind of everybody on the team, every once in a while a team needs that guy who's just kind of, you know, a pain to deal Kind of just grumpy, plays hard. If you look at kind of the Warriors have Draymond Green, the Rockets have Chris Paul can be a pretty notoriously grumpy guy. I don't think that's the end of the world. I think that maybe people are overblowing the DeMar DeRozan trade a little bit. You know, Rudy Gay was one of his best friends, and he got traded as well. And Obviously, Lowry's still been a very good player and effective player since then. I do worry about his age, as I think anyone should, when you're 32 years old and six foot two or six foot probably, if we're being realistic with it. That's something to worry about. But... His play doesn't really bother me that much. I think that that's something that will be worked out as the season goes on. I guess kind of mad as we look towards this first game of the season versus the Cleveland Cavaliers. That obviously is going to be a game to watch. It's the first game of the season. I think most people are relatively confident that the Raptors would take care of business there. I guess to you, is that game more important to watch? Are you more excited for that game, or are you more excited for the Boston Celtics on Friday night? Well, I mean, tough question because I'm going to go to the Cel- uh, to the uh, uh, Cavaliers game okay. on uh, on Wednesday. So, uh, you know, got to be excited about uh, seeing the first Kawhi in Toronto, and you know, there'll be shirts there. They'll have the they'll have the area open in front of the ACC and all that sort of stuff. So that's really or sorry not ACC Scotiabank Arena and um, and uh, all that all that sort of stuff is fun but i mean i mean from a basketball fan perspective definitely the Celtics game is the more exciting of the two i think um, i think uh, you know people have p- I understand the Cavaliers' position a little bit in that in that people have just completely written them off at, like out of everywhere i mean understandably so because i mean lebron really really elevated that team but not um, if you ask Tristan Thompson no not if you ask Tristan Thompson and but uh <laughs> but I mean let's but I mean I mean I mean his 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 opinion has maybe a little teeny tiny little bit of mer- of, of merit but it still deserves like a laughing face a, a crying emoji uh he 
but the Cav- but I mean, the, I, th- I think the lure of the Cavaliers game is that it's a chance for a the the returning Raptors to get some revenge, and b the excitement around uh, Kawhi's debut uh, is really what to watch. I mean, even still looking at the matchup itself. I think the Raptors actually match up very well with the Cleve- uh, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, and um, the it, it'll be interesting to see who they have guarding Kevin Love. Uh, Ibaka obviously seems like the front runner to do it, and Ibaka hasn't had much success guarding Kevin Love in the past. So it'll be interesting to see how Ibaka fares, especially in a situation where Kevin Love is now the centerpiece of this team. And I think for me, I. I expect Siakam, who's coming off of a big game, to actually be a huge factor in this game, uh, guarding someone like Kevin Love, because Siakam just seems like a natural fit to to, to guard and, and and protect against Kevin Love. Um, I also JV has had a lot of big games against um, against uh, the the Cavaliers in the past as well. Uh, now Channing Fry, of course, is back is still on this team, and JV has you know struggled a little bit against him and his style, especially as Channing Fry gets out further to the hoop. But I still expect the Cavaliers to play a similar style of basketball and very up tempo, lots of threes and uh, lots of dagger threes as well. J.R. Smith, of course, will be a big uh, focal point for the Raptors as he's naturally stunned them in the past. But I think. I, I fully expect the Raptors to actually handle handle this game very well. I think it'll be one of those games where, you know, be closer at first, be a feeling out for both teams, and then second, third quarter is when the Raptors will really shine. That defense will clamp down, and uh, and uh, you know, I also I also expect Kawhi Leonard to want to make some noise in this game and really announce to the NBA and to the league that he is back. And uh, I could I, I could see a really big game from Kawhi Leonard as well. And uh, you know, if, if I were to put a number on it, I, I still I still expect the Cavaliers' offense will actually be quite effective over time. So I could see like a one twenty five, one oh five Raptors win. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I think everybody will expect Toronto to come out of the gate firing on all cylinders. I don't think that's realistic for now. I think that in many ways it will take Toronto a while to get going. I don't understand. There's kind of this thought out there, and maybe it's just in circles that are pro-Raptors, that the Celtics are going to take some time getting adjusted, and that will be a reason why the Raptors will get off to a faster start. I'm not sure I buy that as much. Yeah, the Celtics are working in Gordon Hayward, but we're working in Kawhi Leonard and you could say, oh, they have to add in Kyrie too, but they played 60 games with Kyrie last season. So it's not exactly working him into the system. Yeah, they will be a new team, but I don't think that their situation is all that different from the Raptors situation. I think it will take us a while to get going. I could even see the Raptors being down at halftime, but I fully expect them to come away with a victory against the Cavaliers. They just have too much talent, particularly in the second unit compared to the Cavaliers. Early on, it's going to be a lot of, you know, maybe the starters holding even and then the second unit coming through for the Raptors. They just, this team's so deep and the the depth, especially on the bench, is more used to playing with each other. And I think it will be less of kind of an adjustment for that part of the team. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know... You know, I think it's I think it's going to be interesting to watch too. Just a little other little storyline to watch as the Raptors get adjusted with each other is that 
at least for the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers are a team that know each other very well and have played together very well and haven't had as much upheaval or turnover. So just watching the Raptors respond to those Cavalier runs or those Cavalier plays where it just seems that the Cavaliers are all on the same page because they are. I just think, you know, just watching those ebbs and flows of, of momentum and, um, and, the, and the response to that from both the coaching staff and from uh, uh, the Raptors, the players themselves will be interesting. I think another interesting thing, and we, you know, it's something I actually haven't watched, so I can't really comment on it, but I just thought of and will be watching now is what are our, what are the end of quarter plays going to be like, and what do the Raptors do when they have the ball uh, at the end of a quarter? Maybe not necessarily at the end of the game, but at the end of a quarter, because as as we know. As fans, Raptors, every every player in the building, every coaching staff person in the building knew that if it came down to it, the Raptors were going to run a Demar Derozan ISO for for a shot, right? And it, and it became so bad that that or so expected that Derozan didn't even pass the ball off to open teammates at the time. So I'm interested to see if Nurse gets a little bit more creative with that and really tries to bring in some plays to, to, to help find an open person and, and unexpected people too, because as we know, there are a lot more shooters on this team. So uh, just some of those early season uh, feeling out uh, situations, I think will be really interesting to watch. I also wonder if nurse is going to do a few more different things this season throughout the year that, you know, different wrinkles that you didn't really see from Casey, whether that be funky lineups. I think everyone's talked about the Pascal Siakam, at center lineup that won't play a ton in my opinion at least early we also are going to have to see you know if they do anything funny this year i think that you saw in the preseason they ran a little three two zone it worked Mm -hmm. for stretches they got i believe four consecutive stops after that a couple turnovers and if they run that during the regular season or if that's just a preseason thing, we'll have to see still. But it's clear Nick Nurse is going to try to do a few different things this year, and I'm excited to see what he tries once the actual season starts. I want to see Chris Boucher and the starters lineup. <laughs> that's what I want to see. Yeah. <laughs> no, but um but yeah, and I think and I think that's I think that for me is what's gonna either make nurse an exciting coach or not because it's you know the 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 coaches that are finding a lot of success in in today's game and i think you know one of them we're going to see on friday with brad stevens very very inventive coach understand understands the modern game uh uh obviously obviously as you know, mentioned his philosophy to Danny Ainge and all the and all the executives at, in the Celtics because they built the team to his style in many ways. But that style is really working. And uh, you know, for me, for me, I think Brad Stevens is is just the creme de la creme of new coaches entering the league and just really uh, taking it off. Even before they had Kyrie, I mean, I was still very impressed with with, with what he's built. And and uh, that I think is good, really going to highlight Nick Nurse's record as well. I'm actually I'm actually very confident in it, and uh, I think Nurse has already proven that he understands what he needs to do to take this team to the next level. And uh, and uh, you know the team has responded by giving him mostly players that fill those sorts of positions, and it's going to be it's going to be very exciting to see how he responds when 
you know, things don't go well in a game. I think, I, I think, I, I think that's really the true test for a coach is, and, 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 you know, where Dwayne Casey might've failed and done weird things out of nowhere, like CJ miles at the four against Kevin love, and then just let him stay out there to get destroyed. I think we can realistically expect nurse to make more calculated moves and have, and have better ideas up his pocket for when something doesn't work or somebody gets into foul trouble or just somebody's having an off night. Exactly. It's important to see what Nurse will do this season throughout the season as much as at the beginning. This team's going to try different things rather than the same old that they were doing under Coach Casey. You certainly will see different rotations throughout the year. And it's important to use the regular season as an experiment for what you're going to do during the playoffs. The Raptors are easily going to be in the playoffs. They're easily going to have home court advantage in the first round. The important thing to do is to get your team maximized during the playoffs when the games matter the most. And that's something that perhaps we didn't see as much last season and something that I'm excited to see this year is just the experimentation throughout the regular season, finding what works and that's going to include some things that definitely do not work and that hurt the team in the short run. But, you know, you hope that it pays off with finding... If you only find one or two things that work during the regular season, if only 20% of the things you try work, it's still worth it to have those couple things that you can pull out during the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I just... Like, 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 I just want to see that experimentation. I think you're exactly correct in that. If we don't have experimentation, then the team is going to get stale. And then come playoff times, once everybody has scouted, scouted the team to death, the, the team, the, the players on the court, the, the, the defending players are going to know exactly what the Raptors are going to do on both ends. Right. So, I mean, what's, then it's like, what's really the point, right? Like there needs to be movement. There needs, there needs to be anonymity in what the other team is doing as much as you can get. So, um, yeah. And I think, and I think, you know, if we move over to the Boston game, I think that's really, it's, it, I think that's really going to be, you know, both teams are going to know it's going to be a statement, statement game. Right. And both teams are going to know that whoever wins, everybody's going to be talking about it. Everybody's going to be saying, Oh, the East, the power in the East has shifted here, blah, 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 blah. And it's like, it's like that's a hundred percent not true. I think, I think for me, I can see I can see a Raptors victory by no more than ten. I could also see maybe a Celtics victory by no more than like fifteen, or but so so you know it's going to be tight both ways. And I think really what the difference is going to be is just it's just really execution and defense, right? A lot of uh, you know a lot of Raptors circles. People are talking about that the Celtics aren't going to be as good defensively because of Kyrie and Gordon Hayward and maybe their inability to to defend as well. But I mean, for me, I think that's a little short sighted. I still think they have fantastic defenders on their team like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, and and the the teams are both going to play a similar style. And you know, I, I I think a quote that you said that really stuck out for me, and I think and, and you know I think is mostly true is that yeah the Raptors have the best individual player on the floor, but the Celtics might have the next five, and and how is that going to even out right? And I think for the Raptors to be able to beat the Celtics, they're going to need uh, you know a, a Danny Green like performance that we saw the other day, where you know somebody goes off 
for another 20 points, 25 points that just really lifts and elevates that pressure off of someone like Kawhi and the main scores where we can, where we can really see that. And I think ball movement for the Raptors is going to be really important. Celtics are a very good defensive team and very, and again, play that very switch style. So finding those open shots are going to be big and, if they're going to lay off someone like Serge Ibaka and let him shoot threes, Ibaka needs to hit those threes, and Ibaka needs to be able to, prove, you know, prove to be someone who can, who can, who can not come up short on threes. I mean, a lot of I, I, a lot of shots I saw him taking the preseason, especially from distance, were coming up short, and that really concerns me that they're coming up short in the preseason, right? So what's going to happen in a, in a regular season game? So I'm very much looking at, uh, you know, if the Raptors lose. Um, which I'm not predicting. I actually, you know, if I'm going to predict something, I'm going to say Raptors win by f- seven. And and but what but what I but I, what I think the biggest takeaways from this game are going to be are, is not the final score, but uh, the Raptors' performance in terms of uh, on the offensive and defensive end, and uh, on the defensive end especially, you know, how are they stopping those runs? Um, and, and and dribble penetration, and then on the offensive end, how are they going to respond to a really good defensive team and, and in their offensive sets and 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 not letting it revert to iso ball just because you know they've missed three possessions in a row and the Celtics have connected on three in a row. That's a bold take that you had there. That it's going to matter what we do on offense and on defense in this game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Uh, no. uh, you know what? You know, I, what? you know what? As soon as I said that, I was like. Oh, that's so dumb. <laughs> but but I get what you're actually saying is yeah. it's going to be important to watch the individual matchups more than the actual results of the game. And if a team goes 2 of 20 from 3 and is missing open looks, then that's not going to last as much as can JV hang with Al Horford. And individual things like that is what's really to watch here. And, you know, even... Perhaps I'm doing us a disservice by hyping down this game, but... You know, it's the second game of the season. Neither team has played much with each other. I'm not sure we're really going to learn much, if anything, from this game. And it will be important to hype it up. Like you said, the media will probably run away with whatever team takes a lead, especially if one, you know, wins this game by, God forbid, 20 or 25 points. But these teams are going to look totally different once the games start to matter come May and June. So, sorry to disappoint everyone. There's not a ton you're going to be able to gain from this first couple slate of games, but that's okay. If I told you, Matt, what are the Raptors going to finish this season before we get started here? What What's the Raptors' record this season, and how do they finish in the East during the regular season? Oh, God. it's it, it, it You know, it's funny because it's so close. Um, it's so close between Boston and the Raptors. It's, it, it's a very tough thing. I'm going to... I'm going to take the optimist's approach because I feel like you're not and I'm going and I'm going to say the Raptors go uh, for 60 wins and win the Eastern Conference by just one or two games and that's it I well it depends if you think optimist or not I am going to say the Raptors win 61 games unfortunately I don't think that's enough to win the East I think the Celtics are going to be scary good this year I think that they win 65 games, so I think the Raptors win 61, but are second place in the East. Yeah, and and, and, and I mean, I don't want like that take to just be because I don't think the Celtics are good. I, I think the Celtics are great. I just, I, I mean, I mean, who knows, right? Like, in 
like like I think injuries injuries are more prevalent with the with the with, with the Celtics right now than with the Raptors, right? Like if Kawhi were to go down again, then of course Celtics are going to run away with it, right? But um, who knows, right? Like the like 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 there are there are a few injury concerns with the Celtics that they have to work through, um, but they do have depth, right? And I mean. I mean, I know a lot of people. I know a lot of people like to say that you know the Raptors have the best depth in the NBA, but the Celtics are also right there as well, which is also interesting and a little scary as well. Exactly. I think yeah. that should probably wrap us up for this pod. Last thing, this is something I kind of wanted to introduce here, where it's Canadians teach Mike. So I okay. want to know. So Brian has talked to me, and he's in a casual hockey league, which you may be surprised to learn, don't exist in America. Or the United States, I guess. I shouldn't call it America. Uh, so they don't exist. So my question to you is, do you guys just have hockey rinks that are round areas? Because we don't even we don't have ice rinks that are anywhere. So do you guys just have ice rinks every couple of miles, or what's going on? Yeah, so, um, uh, so you know, just for Canadians listening, I live in Kitchener-Waterloo, which is about 40 minutes outside of uh, Toronto and is very much a sprawling metropolitan area in a in, in of itself um and is and is very silicon valley based and that is a lot of tech technology companies is what our economy is but yes we do so um so for example we have uh all of our giant sports plexes of which we have three two three in town um yeah like and, and like and like yeah i i think of somewhere like a um because because i played a lot of basketball in the states so i know a lot of and you know having uh and you know having some american family as well i've seen a lot of the sports flexes where you maybe have like you know 12 12 interconnecting nba size gyms right mm-hmm. so here we'll have we'll have like two NBA size gyms and like four hockey rinks, let's say, like okay. full full NHL size rinks. So, um, like the uh, uh, our uh, so we have two we have two big universities in town, uh, University of Waterloo and University of Laurier, and both of them have two to three hockey rinks and and that that you know the public can use. So yes, there are a lot of hockey rinks and it is very easy to have a casual hockey league here in, in, in both the winter and the summer in the winter um you know my mom my mom grew up where when where i grew up as a kid was behind on this big field and what people will do is they'll they'll mow the field at, once it's cold enough for water to freeze and then they'll like just run their water uh with a hose into this field and create a rink itself right and then like smooth it out so that the the the, the ice is smooth and they'll, and, they'll, and, they'll, and they'll have like leagues out there as well so it's uh yeah, it's a pretty common thing, and in front of both of our city halls, um, in because because we live in a town that it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Minneapolis. It's two towns connected together mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in many ways. They they also have ice rinks there as well. So uh, yeah, so ice rinks are a plenty here in 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 Canada. And they have just ice rinks that are year round. So, yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. okay. See, we have. We have like a local area that has one, and during the winter, sometimes they'll make an, an ice rink a couple of the places well. But we certainly don't have. Maybe I go. I went to Ohio State. For those who don't know, it's the largest university in the United States. Or it ranges from three to one, depending on the year. And they might have, I think, one full-time year-round hockey rink. So 
it's crazy to me that just local areas have their own hockey rink. Yeah, it's it, well, it, it, well, you know, it's funny too, right? Because like Americans will come up here and they'll see our um, our like high school football um, football fields yeah. where like there's stands for like like maybe 200 people, right? <laughs> whereas, whereas that is where, 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 whereas like you'd be thrown out of the city if you, if you propose that at a city council meeting in the United States, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so, so yeah, it's, it, you know, it's just a different thing, right? Like a lot of, I mean, I mean, I mean the amount of Canadians that uh, come out and are NHL performers dictates that, you know, that's, yeah. that's the number of hockey rinks, right? And, and but I mean, it's getting much better for basketball. I mean, I would say that you know the improvement of basketball development and basketball improvement over the last, um, you know, you know even ten years has been fantastic. And the opportunities that exist now in the prep schools that exist for Canadians, both both in Canada and then the exposure to be able to send those Canadians to prep schools in the states has gotten a lot better. I mean, if we th- I mean, if we look at it, right, we might have another a Canadian might be picked number one again this upcoming draft with R.J. Barrett, right? So, um, I think uh, I think uh, just Canadian sports in general is is maybe not shifting, but maybe growing and evolving to realize that you know we have a lot of performers here that aren't just hockey players that can really grow and 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 become top performers in their own sport. So the investments are getting better in those in those areas. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks for talking yep. to me. No. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.